at it, it really demonstrates how out to lunch most of us are. Because you don't recognize when you're hungry, or angry, or lonely, or tired. Yeah? I remember when I first started, when I got in recovery, I would get a... I'd be coming home and I'd feel really this incredible, like, cosmic angst. You know, like, something really, really incredibly important is coming. Or whatever, and there's an impending huge meaning, and all I needed was a baloney sandwich, really. As soon as I ate some food, the whole thing dissipated. So I had no ability to recognize actually what was going on in, my, in the body that I'm seemingly identified as, which is mind-boggling. If you really look at it, you're so obsessed with being this, and yet you have no clue what this is actually trying to inform you of. Something's off, don't you? Angry, you know? Anger comes up. And like in the Course of Miracles, they would always say, you're never upset for the reason you think, you know? So the mind obviously presents a story why you're angry. I'm angry because this didn't happen for me. But it never... It never facilitates the movement of the anger in a healthy way because it's off. You're not angry for that reason. Yeah? It's like if you had a cold and... Your mind told you it was the flu, yeah? And you took $400 worth of flu medicine religiously every day. You followed all the instructions. When one of them stopped working, you'd get another flu medicine and do the same thing. And then when that didn't work, another flu medicine, then you'd be, I must have a very special type of flu. I can't be beaten by all these flu medicines. And all this would go on, but you would get, you would get, Maybe and colds and flus have similar symptoms, but not all of them. So there would be a little relief. So you'd be by, I've had the flu, and tell everyone I've had the flu. But actually, you misdiagnose yourself. You have a cold. If you would have recognized it was a cold and taken the right medicine for that, you would have gotten the relief. Yeah. But most people are medicating themselves. They're self-medicating with with the the mind as the doctor, informing you what prescription you need. And you keep applying the same bogus prescriptions and you're not getting results. And after a point of time, you don't know really what a result is anymore. You really don't. You don't believe that there can be a lasting solution. It's all about just making the best of it or minimizing the symptoms or getting a little relief. This is what we call success here. Yeah? Because we've been weaned off of a true solution because what's telling us or what's What's bringing up the prognoses, what's delivering the prescription, and what's critiquing our progress in the release of, from that disease is the disease itself. The mind identified as a self. Yeah? Jeez. So now, something that was a natural state, if you weren't in an abusive situation when you were a kid, young kid, you had some incredible states of life or of mind immediacy, spontaneity, spontaneity, wonder and awe, all this happened, and we grew out of that. Yes, we grew out of that. Most adults are not experiencing a lot of wonder and awe during the day. It's all the same old, same old most of the time, yeah? So our whole vision, our whole way of seeing became a form of looking, and that looking causes an incredible amount of dis-ease, and yet... The source of the looking is what we go to to give us remedies to the disease, which only promotes more disease, because there's more disease after you get a little bit of relief. After you get a little bit of relief and the thing comes back with a vengeance, it's even more excruciating to have the symptoms after you've had a little bit of relief from it. Yes? Have you noticed? 
So you get a little bit of relief, and then that thing whacks you again, and so hope is all you have for. I hope I can get better. I hope I can get better. Let me go to the Greek oracle and see what they say. Oh yes, you'll be getting better when you do this, 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 that, 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 do that, when you have this. But usually what it says, you'll be really great when you have it, you don't have it at the time. <laughs> it tells you, when I meet that person, I'll be really great, but you don't have that person in your life yet. So of course, all of its remedies are not available immediately. They're, they're based on time, which you're going to have something to do with getting, or someone else is going to have to have something to do with you getting it. Yes? You're always living precariously here. You're basing your whole sense of okayness on a shifting sand. How can you enjoy peace of mind with a situation like that? There's no way you can enjoy peace of mind if you're addicted to time, because your mind will believe that the next moment may not be peaceful. That's, you can't enjoy peace here, because peace always is followed with chaos and then this and that. There's never a state in and of itself. There's always this complementary opposite involved, yeah? So how can you try to relax if there's no real relaxation? It's like you get a little breather, yet you're back on the path of seeking, 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 seeking. Why isn't it that you don't find it? And after a while, even if you find what you were seeking, you don't even entertain it, you just keep on seeking, because now the mind has been caught up in that momentum, and there's no stopping it. It's seeking on just... It has whatever intent or purpose it was meant to be seeking for is gone. It's just seeking for the sheer momentum of it. The mind's just out, <laughs> looking. So if you have a girlfriend, you're acting as if you don't have a girlfriend when you go out. Because that girlfriend's over, now you're just seeking for her girlfriend. Because the mind's so used to seeking, it doesn't care if it found what it was seeking for. It keeps seeking for it. It's a, it's a disease of mind. Where, so where is going to be the solution to that disease? Not from the disease. Not from the disease center. In recovery, they share it so clearly. Why are you in so much fear today? Isn't it because self-reliance has failed you? What more information do you need? Now, maybe a little cue of how to recognize self so that you can see and put it together. Yeah? Maybe you need a little bit of that, someone who will share with what it looks like to be defeated by self so there could be a recognition. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So as soon as you start seeing it, that's the beginning of being free from its effects. But if you keep seeing from it, you're always going to be dealing with its effects. Yeah? Self can't get out of self. When you were young, you weren't, the self hadn't formulated it. It, was, it wasn't set in concrete. So there was a lot of possibilities. And then slowly in time and conditioning, it's set in concrete. And then you became a stable Paul. Yeah? And that Paul is like a... It has this whole thing around it of old ideas and conditioning beliefs. All those old ideas and conditioning beliefs get their like barnacles that live on that reef. That reef of being a self. And they're very difficult to pull a barnacle off of something it's attached to. Yes? It's almost damn impossible to rip the freaking thing off of what it's attached to. So here you are with this idea of being a you... And then all this conditioning and old ideas about what that could mean to be a you 
get stuck on it. Yeah? And now, when life comes, it hits those sharp edges, and there's disease and irritability, because we believe what's happening is real and solid, has a huge amount of power to affect us, because we've dreamt it that way. So now life is coming at us, and when it hits us, it rubs against all this conditioning and all these old ideas and these belief systems, and instead of taking that opportunity to really look this way, we look out as, this is a resentment. This is being imposed on me. I hate this. I'm afraid of this. Instead of seeing, who is it that's afraid of it? Who is it that has the resentment towards it? Who is it that's trying to seek itself out of that? Yeah. Instead of having your attention go into the dance of things, you look at, all right, if I have, let's say you have ten problems this week. Ten problems. Yeah. All right, so now you have 52 weeks, so that would be how many? 520 problems over the year. Let's say you're a, a young 21 years old. Yes? You're about 23, I think now. So 21, right? So you had like uh, 520 problems for for the last five years. That's about 3,000-something problems, basically. Yeah? Now, if you look at all those problems, if you stopped looking at the problems and looked at who has the problem, there would be one of you with 3,000 problems. Yeah? One. And if you go to someone who's older, 8,000 problems, they would still be on the other side of the ledger, one. Another one, 20,000 problems, one. Another one, really good life, eight problems, one. Yes? Why would you spend a lot of time looking out if you could just look in? See what has the problem. And maybe if you see what has the problem, just see it. Yeah? I'm not telling you that there's nothing to do. Just see it. If you just saw it, it may change how you have a problem. Yeah? How you dance with what you call a problem. It's not promising you won't have any problems anymore. That's a fool's gold, really. It won't promise that the problems will really get great. It's not saying that. It's, just, it's not saying anything. It's just, saying, it's just asking you a simple request, like this alarm asked me, all right, you want to turn off the alarm? Yes. Escape. Right? Put in the four, six, whatever thing, enter. That's it. And then it has a response. Yeah? So here it's just asking who is it that has the problems? I don't even like doing that anymore, but let's say it too. Who is it that has the problems? That's all. It doesn't have any opinion about the problems. It doesn't say, oh, you shouldn't be worrying about next week. That's also a problem. The problem is, is when you believe you're doing something and you believe you shouldn't be doing it, that's a huge problem. Yeah? So it's just seeing, all right, worrying about next week. Who is it? Maybe if you look this way, you would have a different vision of that. And then if you did, you'd see a principle that you give everything the meaning it has. And you know what that can do for you? If you entertain that you actually give everything all the meaning it has, it can change your freaking world. One principle will change everything. You don't see the incredible hit of that? What I do here all day is give meaning to things. The meaning I've given things is that they're real solid and they have an inherent meaning. Now you go to Buddhism and Taoism and they tell you that's bullshit. Nothing has, in Buddhism they call it emptiness, which means everything here is empty of having an inherent existence. They have, it has no real meaning. It's empty of being a separate entity. Yeah? Right. So, this is a problem today. I'm not in good shape. It's a 
damn problem. I hate this thing. Yeah? My whole day is around thinking about this has caused me an incredible amount of pain. The next day I'm in good shape. It's not a problem at all. The next day I'm not feeling so good. It's a big problem again. What is it? Is it a problem or isn't it a problem? It's neither. It's not a problem, nor is it not a problem. It's neither. It has no meaning other than what you give it. And how you give meaning here is in a dualistic format. You know what that means? Dualistic format? It's either or, yes, no, hot, cold, good, bad, lovely, ugly, peace, war. Yes? This is the way the mind that's giving meaning to things here, this is how it gives meaning to things. It gives meaning to things as either or, yes or no, male, female, day, night, hot, cold. Opposites, yes? In other words, the delusion isn't that you're seeing everything as bad. The delusion is that you see everything as good and or bad. Yeah, yeah. Just like in recovery, it says, when it talks about self-will, it says, the person in self-will can be very virtuous, very kind, very nice, and this and that. It's the same baloney as someone who's vindictive and resentful and mean. It's the same thing. What? It is. It's the same, exact same thing. Oneness, let's say, split. Yeah. So the, this gives meaning to this and that. <laughs> and then this and that is forgotten and it's taken to be something real and then that thing can have a real effect on us. That's amazing. Can you imagine what that would do if you entertained that? You know how much power would come back to you that you've given up to things? You've given up to things called time. You've given up to things called this and that. How much meaning we've given to things, but the premise, the basic meaning we've given it to it is that they're real and solid and have the ability to affect me. That's the biggest meaning that's been given. Then all that happens is that meaning is divvy in different degrees. That's all it is. The premise is it's real and solid and can affect me. That's for sure. This is a real solid world and it can affect me. And then all that happens is different degrees are given. Yeah? So if you're feeling pretty good, it won't have a huge effect on you that day. When you think you're feeling bad, it'll have a giant effect on you. You don't see the symbiotic situation there? Its effect on you diminishes when you're feeling really, really solid. It seems to amplify when you're not feeling good. <laughs> you don't see the dance that you have something to do with it? It's sort of like this, the, the, the light in the room gets brighter and darker, and you're the, you're the dim switch. And yet you don't even read, you don't see you're doing it, and you're thinking, what's causing it to be dark? And then your mind just makes up a story based on you as the big doer in a, in a weird fucking way. Not as the real doing, which is giving meaning to things, but with, I shouldn't give meanings, I shouldn't give meanings. So here we are. And we have no, we don't make the connection as within, so without, as above, so below. It doesn't, make, it doesn't connect. Yeah. So we want to be our own person, but we're still we've given over a seemingly, in a sense, all the power that we have by believing everything out here is as real as real can be. And when it and when it affects us, it shows us how a very small reality we are, which we can be affected by everything else. Oh, man. So this message is just to recognize how this apparatus works. 
and then see that its main premise, the oldest idea it's ever entertained, is that there's a you. Yeah? That's the oldest idea it's ever entertained. And when it entertains that idea, every verb that becomes, that it's conscious of, every movement, will, there'll always be the search to find a noun involved in it. Yeah? If you can't see that someone else did it, or you did it, there'll be God that did it. There'll be somehow, there'll be a noun to explain all of this verbing going on. Yeah? So instead of seeing life as happening, which is allows you that free be free, even when it's intensely insane, yeah, it still gives you a modicum of freedom from that giant rushing river because this life is happening. It's not denying life isn't happening, but it's denying in a living, active way that it's not happening to a you. Yeah? So life is happening is the experience. The interpretation is life is happening to me. If the interpretation is life is happening to me, then I'm telling you that me is giving tons of meaning to what's happening. If the conviction is that life is happening to you, then basically what's reinforcing that conviction is that you have forgotten you've given everything all the meaning it has. And you think it has a real solid meaning to itself and it's coming at you. That's incredibly, incredibly uh, ignorance. There's an ignoring there. We're ignoring something very, 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 very simple and clear that's causing all of that to seem as real as real can be. It's simply like this. If it was darker here today and we turned off the light, obviously a lot of problems would arise. Yeah? I would try to walk out of here. If I didn't remember this room sufficiently with memory, I'd run into things. Yes, And I, if I hadn't been here before, I, didn't, I wouldn't know where the bathroom was. And I'd have to go to the bathroom and I'd have the whole other experience. Should I go right here? Will anyone see me? It's sort of dark. They'll hear it? I don't know. I'm just trying to hold it in. Yeah. I'll get knee pads so when I do bump it, that they don't hurt myself so much. This giant weird thing called a language will use to describe this incredible mystery of being and will give it a will make up a subjective language used by objects. I'm doing this, I'm having this, I'm the one, I'm seeing, I'm hearing, I'm feeling. And we'll just claim everything. And that will make us feel alright in the dark somewhat. At least we'll have a sense of knowing. I know why I'm screwed. I know why I feel so shitty. I know, yes, this sense of knowing. <laughs> and then someone will be here sitting, selling, you know, maps to the bathroom. I think I was there once. If you go here and make a left, you'll maybe get there in an hour, so you better know before you have to go, or you know, the accident will probably occur. All this will happen instead of just going over, you know, turning on the light. As soon as there's light, what happens to the problems? I, see, I can see the chairs. I don't need any pants anymore. I know where the bathroom is. At least I can see the outside. I can go in the bushes or whatever. and illumination. That's the whole point. We're attempting to see why we're not illuminated is we're identified with what's ignorant. Yes? The mind came up with a conclusion that isn't sound. It's taken life to mean there's a me that's living. A long-lasting independent separate entity. And that became the reef where all these old ideas and beliefs and conditionings, all these barnacles, have come to roost 
and now form what you call you. And every time we meet life, we meet life in an adversarial condition because we think it's happening to us. Instead of seeing it as happening, just happening, everything is freaking happening. Yeah. But we see it now that I'm here, and I'd be just great if, stop, if people stopped bothering me. You know, if I just had what I wanted, everyone would be happy, because obviously I'd be happy, so therefore it would be like a trickle-down happiness for you, Eric, because I'm happy, you should be happy. Why? Because I'm happy. That's all. That's all I need. Yeah? So now, I'm in this adversarial position. Yeah? The crust gets harder and harder. Afraid of this stuff coming in, you ensure that you can't come out. Yeah? In the fear of the intense desire to have a security, you become numbed out. Yeah? Nothing's going to hurt me anymore. Yeah, but you're not going to feel anything either. What would happen to those barnacles? Are you going to pick every one of them at a time? One at a time? Thousands of them. Or what would happen if you just took the rock away or the reef? What would happen to the barnacles if they had nothing to hold on to? Yes? I'm saying the oldest idea of the barnacles and the conditioning, what gives the conditioning of this apparatus the life it has is your identification as the body. That's what allows it to play out. <coughs> so here you are. We take that away. Hey, maybe I'm not this idea of being a self. Maybe I'm not saying you are or you're not. I'm saying you're not, but you have to find out yourself. Yeah, maybe I'm not. And then what happens is that seemingly rock that all these old ideas and conditions have clung to and have found a very stable home with starts weakening. It starts, it's like sandstone. Yes? It's crumbly. It has nothing. So as soon as you go look at it, you see there isn't anyone there. And then when that crumbles, where does all those old ideas have to hold on to anymore? There isn't a you. The oldest idea is a you. The recovery says the results will be nil unless you let go of your old ideas. Why not find the oldest idea? Because all the other ideas are clinging on to the oldest idea. The oldest idea is you're a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. You'll know it by its fruit. I mean, you'll know the problem by the solution. I entertain that, and I've had a solution from it. And I made, you know, it was obvious over time, put two and two together. Jesus, things are totally different than they used to be. What, what changed? Well, the starting point changed. When I thought life started from here and ended here, I looked a little farther, and this here is just an activity of, of mind happening here. It's not what's happening. Life is not happening to <laughs> <laughs> it's like, here's your attention. I see Deb and I see everyone here. My attention goes out. Yes, you're aware, conscious. I see this. And here's the attention going out this way. And the attention goes this way, yes? This place is a dualistic experience here. What goes out goes in. Yeah, this is the way it goes. What goes up comes down. Yeah. So here's attention going out and it's going back. What happened is the mind put up a giant billboard with your little happy face on it. The impression of being a body, a little action figure. And now every time your attention goes out, which is a lot of time, all day, your attention is being drawn to things all freaking day. Yeah? Hearing, seeing, feeling, tasting, touching. All of that attention returns. 
If it goes, it comes back. Yeah. What it's going back to is the idea of being a you. That's called being obsessed with self. Yeah. You're obsessed with self. This isn't just thought. It's your attention is wedded to that idea of being a you. Yeah. So when I need anything in the day, it's me as this meeting it. So I need thousands of things. I need it hearing it, seeing it, feeling it, tasting it, touching it, and even thoughts about it, yes? But they all, all the thousands of things, they reflect the attention back to one thing, this. This is called obsession with self. This is the bondage to the idea of being a self. Your attention is your contemporary jailer every day. Yeah? Because my interpretation of life is that it's happening to me. That's a very weak position to be here. It is. It's very difficult to have lasting peace in that position. Because you're, then your condition in this position is based on outside circumstances and situations. And there's no way in hell you're going to control them. Yeah? Something that seems rock solid that you can rely on, one day doesn't, isn't reliable. Yes? Haven't you noticed that? They give us things about certain diseases and then 20 years later, oh, we were mistaken. It's not really, milk isn't really good to be drinking every day. Or, what? Since I was three years old, they were feeding me milk. Oh, no, it's, we made a mistake there. You know, everything that they, press, they say usually gets rebutted over time. It can't help it. It's a movement of mind, yes? What was right one day will be wrong another day. You can't escape the movement, right, wrong, right, wrong. But the whole seesaw or teeter is based on you as the center point, as a self. In recovery, we get placed in a position of neutrality, which is not being a you. And so this happens, but you're not on the ride, so to speak. Yes, things happen. But what you are is stable and not produced by that movement. Yeah. See, we need it done right now, don't you think? At 11.45, Saturday morning, you, don't, you can't wait for a retreat. Okay? You can't wait for you that you can go to, uh, you know, Bali for that three-week event. You can't put it off till next week or Christmas, can you? Isn't that what the mind does every day? It constantly, constantly implies a reality that we unconsciously or consciously just have a little unease with that we want to move out of and yet the date of moving out of it is never now. It's always going to be later somewhere, maybe an hour from now or five days from now or a month from now, isn't it? And so what do you live on? You live on this like false hope of mind which really just verifies the condition that's made up which is that you're unbearable. So your wishing for a solution is really wishing the problem into a reality, in a sense. When you're really wishing and seeking for a solution, what are you but manufacturing the reality of the problem? Yes? In other words, when self is trying to get out of self, it's really reaffirming the possibility of being in a self. The way it reaffirms that possibility, because if you would stop, literally stop, 
literally surrender, literally just stop, you'd realize you're not in sound. But all the movement away from it, it's like if you look at predators, you ever see the, the nature shows when a lion gets the prey, it just rips its throat out, right? It's pretty clear, all right, the lion's the predator, sheep's the prey. But in this little scheme, your interest and attention to get away from this idea of being a self is how the, the self actually has you. Yeah? But you trying to get out of it so much is how you actually feel like you're in it. If you would stop, literally, stop, there's a freedom there. And that stop isn't something that you did. You take that little story about it off. You take the noun out of it, which is, oh, I stopped. So let me see what I did to stop that time. No, there was just a stopping. How, why would that have to ever start again? If you can feel stopped for a second, why not? Why, you don't believe your mind could expand that possibility to a lifetime? Every principle is revealed. The smallest bit of ocean water actually holds the whole ocean. Yes, every little event implies a principle. So if you can feel, just like when you get out of your idea of being you and you get a little relief, build a temple on that experience and worship that. Because right then, you're breaking your bond to being devoted to mind, and you're now worshiping life. Yeah? Honor it, because if one day you got out of self, and you had immunity to the thought system, then you could have an immunity to the thought system every day. What's stopping that to be so? You're not believing it possible. Going back into the treadmill of seeking, and having hope that someday down the road I'll feel better instead of just putting your foot down and sitting there and recognizing this sense right now is the same sense you had when you were three and it'll be the sense you have at the moment of death. Yes? The same sense of onness will be here all the time as long as you seem to be on. It's a denominator. It's a basic foundation that never shifts. No matter how many stories are written over it, no matter how many historical senses of, oh, I was different then, but the sense of being on is the same sense of on this now. Now your feeling of it and experience with it, it will be different at times, but the sense is the exact, exact same. Always. When the mind gets tired of its shenanigans and it stops, what happens? What does it notice? That presence that's always there. It wants to stay busy so it doesn't notice that presence. Because that presence implies its own absence as a self. And that's the last thing the self-mind wants to go to, is its own absence. It wouldn't might have an experience of its own absence, but it doesn't want to get that it's, it's absence inherently. Yeah? Why? It's afraid. Yeah. They'll put up a lot of walls to go over to that little area. But if you can just walk into it, you'll see. It was all a bunch of bullshit. Tons of... <gasps> won't be as funny as you used to be. You're really not that funny anyway. Oh, I'll never meet uh, a person you're like, oh, this is unbelievable, insane stuff. And when it really push comes to shove, I mean, it'll bring out the big guns that, that seem to have been lording over you the rest of your life, whatever it may be, some archetypical feeling of 
of uh, not deserving or something. <laughs> the big guns will come up. <laughs> but if you kowtow to it, what happens? Yeah, It will go away. The guns get pulled back, but it runs you. Because the fear of those guns run you. You can't enjoy anything in the moment because you're afraid those guns could be rolled out at any time. That's not living, is it? Why do you think people kill themselves? I mean, in a sense, it makes sense to kill yourself here. If you're not alive, basically, maybe you'll feel alive when you're dead. If you're not feeling alive when you're alive, that's the, that's the other option. Maybe I'll feel alive if I'm dead. Who knows? But a lot of people get brought to that point. Yeah. Of course, they want to kill this thing because they can't entertain being free of it because they're identified as it. <laughs> Incredible system. <laughs> if all you want is to throw this hostile parasite off you, but every time you, th- you throw it off you, you're throwing it as you because you're identified as it. <laughs> it's incredible, isn't it? It's unbelievable. <laughs> we need so much, and it's great that we have them, it's great that we have meetings, everything like that. We need constant. Uh, help to get a little relief from this parasite. You know? It's so voracious. And and, uh, and yet, because really, in a sense, the mind hasn't allowed itself to... It can't entertain being free of it because it's identified as it. So it's trying to get freedom for it. It's trying to get therapy for it. It's trying to have it socialized. It's hoping it'll be a little more civil the next, you know picnic it goes to, you know, maybe I'll have a month-long relationship, <laughs> maybe it'll work out for a month, maybe I'll squeeze a few dates in before they figure me out, whatever, <laughs> you know, its idea of success has been down so low, yeah, because it hasn't, its ability to entertain is unbelievable, but it's been hijacked by a system it's identified as, so every time you entertain anything here, you entertain it as a self, and you know how self entertains things? In time. You can't entertain being free now. It has to be based on doing something and arriving there later. Yeah, check it out. Watch your head. See how it works. When you think of peace and freedom, do you think of it right now? Do you think peace and freedom is is a quality right now that you're having? Or is it something that you're working towards? Is it something, and that working towards implies that there's going to be doing and having. But this solution is a timeless solution. It takes no time. It takes absolutely no time. And it takes absolutely no doing to entertain it. It's your inherent nature. Unadorned, brilliant, sky-like mind. Not squeezed into a little shoebox of a size 8 and stuffed in there. And then entertaining, oh, if I could just get a little relief on this tight shoe, it would be great. That's a subjective experience, but is that real freedom? Just, you know, is real security having an Agendas kind of Agendas in your freezer and a Netflix thing at your house? You know, oh, man, I can't wait to get through this day off. It's so great when I get home. Yeah, that's a certain kind of subjective freedom, but, you know, I don't know, you know. <laughs> You'll have a giant Netflix bill and you'll probably get a lot of weight put on because you're going to eat a lot of ice cream and a lot of smoothies if that's what it takes. 
there is subjective experiences here, yes? But there is something that's pure subjectivity that affects you. It affects your subjectiveness. You don't subjectify that. It actually changes you. It changes the way this thing sees things. It changes your subjectiveness. Yeah? Because the whole way we're seeing things is through subjective lens, yes? I'm the subject and you're an object to me. Yes? Everything is, as soon as this becomes a subject, everything has to be thrown into the other role of being an object. That's why truth has been, can't be seen or heard or felt. It's not an object, but our mind takes it to be an object that it's going to get. I, as the subject, is, I'm going to get the truth as an object and it's going to make me feel better as this subject. That's why no one's getting it, because truth is not an object to your subject. The truth is, is you're not a subject. Yes. There's a subjective experiencing happening, but see, when you sense a subjective experience, it implies to your head that there's a subject. That's the baloney. Like Buddha said, events happen, deeds are done, but there's no individual doer thereof. When we see an event happening and a deed done, we think there's a doer thereof. Don't you? During your day, when you're seeing events and actions, either yours, seemingly yours, again, the language of subjectivity, yours or others, you imply when there's an event happened, these are done, that someone did it, don't you? And Lord Buddha was just like, he said, events happened, these are done, but there's no individual doer thereof. But as we see, every day, every verb implies a noun to us, to our head, yes? That's the disease. No matter how you try to apply a philosophy, life is just happening. If there's a sense of being a you, it's happening to you. That's the interpretation. Self can't get out of self. That's what we've been trying for years. Tons of us have been trying to get out of the self-centeredness as a self. Has it worked? Yeah? It hasn't. It's failed miserably. Because we're... Un- we're Self can't get out of itself. A product of a mental process can never leave the mental process. It only exists in the mental process. It doesn't exist anywhere else. It doesn't have a real existence. It's made up. So as we're dreaming, it sure seems like there's the dreamer, but only as we're dreaming. Yeah? If this stopped, there would be no subject. There's no dreamer here as this. So I am, I'm a believer in you can describe what you're not, yes? And in the description of what you're not, because this is what I learned in, really in recovery. People would come and talk about their feelings, their thoughts and reactions, and I would, and then I realized, Jesus, how did these people get my thoughts, my feelings, and my reactions? And then I realized they're not my thoughts, my feelings, and my reactions. And that was the beginning of freedom, because the terminal uniqueness left, because... And then the belief that I can't be understood. I mean, I'm not an enigma wrapped in a whatever bullshit we say. Yeah? I can't be understood. This, no one can get me. They don't know how I feel. Give me a fucking break. It's, it's such selfing on that way. That ninth degree selfing. <laughs> Terminally uniqueness. So it lifted, yeah? So after a while, I looked at people and I realized, I don't identify with you. I identify what's taking you over. And that's the thing we're still missing in recovery. We keep thinking, oh, I identify with you. I don't identify with you, most people I meet. 
The people I ran with in New York, we would not have gotten loaded together. Most of the people I meet in recovery. Yeah. I don't identify with you. I identify with what's taking you over because the same thing took me over. And of course, that's not true. That's the story because there's not, there was no me to be taken over. But this, this apparatus was just an expression of and for self-centeredness and a special subdivision of self-centeredness called alcoholism. And it was an incredible expression of it. It was a full, perfect expression of that mind state. Now, something happened, and now it's expressing a different mind state, which is freedom from the bondage of self. The same apparatus painted a real hellish picture. It was part and parcel of that painting. In other words, it was, a, it was, it was the, what appeared on the canvas and the strokes of the paint on the canvas. And now, it's appearing in a different painting, in a different stroke, yet the same apparatus. Yeah? What happened? Obviously, there wasn't a Paul that was an addict, and there isn't a Paul that's recovered. There was just addiction and recovery expressing itself through this apparatus. That's all that's happening. Whatever you're relying on, whatever you sense to be you, is going to be the main proponent of what's expressed through you. Yeah? That's what you give up. You don't give... I don't surrender me. I surrender this. So that something can express itself through this. Because this is a tool or a vehicle for expression here. This little body. Yeah, this head. It can give meaning to things. It's doing... It's a mind-boggling little apparatus. But what expresses through it is not of body. Yeah? Nor of conditioned mind. Yes? So all the guilt and shame you have about on what you didn't do or did do when you were using is totally bullshit. There was the whole sense of the you, yes, that did it or didn't do it is the first, the first line of the program that we're missing. Yes, we can get that. Oh, I was powerless, but this oh, I should have known better. <laughs> no, you were powerless. You get that? Oh, but I, I shouldn't have danced with that person that night. No, you were powerless. Every time, the same answer. But the mind wants to reassert that it had something to do with it. But I shouldn't have been powerless. <laughs> I should have known better. I come from a good family. Why did I choose to drink? You did it! <laughs> the story of the, the... My story of the event was you chose to drink. You don't see that as part of the event. The belief that you did it. We think, no, the event started when I drank, and there, and that was the event, but I did the event. I'm the noun that did the event. No, the feeling of being a noun is part of the event. Yes? You see, okay, you start here, you, see, you can tell, you have tons of self-knowledge. I know why I did this, I know why I did that. Is it relieving you of any fucking thing? Nothing. Are you radically happy all day? No, throw that answer away. It doesn't mean anything, it's pointless. Self-knowledge avails you nothing. Oh, let me tell you. Let me, no, I don't want to hear what you know. Look at you. I don't want what you have. You're freaking totally embracing and obsessed with what's not happening. What, what do you have to share? I've seen it already. I have enough. I go walk around all day. I get enough evidence of it. <laughs> 
The verb goes farther than you think. There is no noun at the beginning of a verb. That's the mental interpretation. And then it, it gives meaning to everything else. But the first interpretive position is that there's a you that this is being done to or you're doing. And we don't see that. We still believe that's a noun. We still want this to have relevance in the story that's full of verbs, but we want at least to be the one noun in it, you know? The one noun, or God is the other noun, which is just another super blown up version of you. God. (laughs) So, (laughs) so there's millions of nouns in your novel, but all the attention is on, I mean verb, but all the attention is on the one noun, you. I did all this. This all happened to me. Give me a break. No, it's all the verbs. The verbs are worth honoring. That really captures your sense of beingness, yeah? A verb. The movement of expression, expressing. We call verbs. This is a verb. We think of how we feel better as a noun by doing the right verbs. Can you imagine how you'll feel if you are a verb? Yeah. To feel good now, you've got to do something. You've got to jump off a cliff to feel awake. Because you're so far removed from being a verb, you've got to do one. <laughs> Can you imagine you entertain that you are a verb? Then you may jump off bridges or not. It doesn't, I mean, with a bungee cord. Or you may jump off a bridge anyway. That doesn't matter, but the sense of the thrill you get when you do a verb you seem to like to do, that's the thrill that's in and of you. Yeah? Instead of thinking you've got to bring a zest into your life, realize you're the zest bringer. Not in a fucking affirmative mental way, but in a, like a, a, a soaked experiential way. Yeah? Just by telling the truth of what has been displayed to you. It can wake up your primitive nature of being unadorned mind. And so when someone says, you know, my sense of a day after it's done is like it never happened. You really maybe have that sense. It's actually an incredible way to travel. It's like every day goes by and it just like drops off a cliff. You just parachute it here. This is it. Saturday, Marin City. I like it. I, know, I mean, my head has found a lot of peace in this way of looking at things, where it had no peace in all the other ways it looked. You know, none. What's all? It was all conditional and circumstantial. It had no sound basis. But this was like the last answer to me. It's an unspoken yes. I don't know how else to say it. It was just a... It was like something that was of me and as me way before this structure of selfing appeared over it recognized it when I heard this message. It recognized, aha, not an aha of the mind, but an aha of like an echo of an old, old something. I'm just using time as a narrative. But, you know, a feeling of what I was way before I became or took to be this. Because I finally recognized something. Ah! And then, not to say, not to build a freaking conceptual church on it, not to make it dogmatic, I entertained it. I entertained it. I went home and I walked around and, I, and then when I saw selfing demonstrate itself in the living production here, I saw something. I said, oh, Jesus. And then I saw selfing. Yeah? 
I saw something, and all there is, it's like something, it's like the propeller on a helicopter. When it's going really fast, it looks like it's a real solid one thing. But the movement makes it seem like that. The movement is selfing. The mind is selfing, and it makes up a feeling of being a self to us. Yeah? But it has a... You forget this because you take yourself to be the noun. But when you see selfing, it doesn't imply a self. It makes up a sense of a self. And then from there, it implies everything as a self after that. Yes? Everything, every verb has to find a noun to match it. It's insane. It's insane. So some crazy thing you thought you did in the past, you're the noun that did it. It's, oh, fucking... It's like this giant branch, a giant mental branch in guilt and shame perches there. And then you just peck old ideas of what you did or didn't do. And the guilt and shame just gets fatter and fatter and more imposing. And you just get heavier and heavier. And you're just not traveling lights. Yeah? And basically the only thing the mind can come up with is let's just totally disassociate from this fucking place. Let me just get totally... I want to go out for lunch for good. Yeah? I don't want to know what's happening anymore. If you took that branch away, that personal doership, where would guilt and shame rest? It wouldn't. It needs rest to build and become a solid, seemingly thing. If it keeps burning, you realize it comes and goes just like everything else. Yes? The mind, when it has a sense of being the doer, feels guilt. Does that mean you're the one who's guilty? No. You'll see it. You'll see what happens with mind. And then if you see mind generates guilt over something, you know there's a sense of doership there. It's a very good teaching. And you're, your own, you're the teacher and the taught at the same time. Life is just illuminating the whole situation. And you're seeing it because you're conscious. You can see it. something recognized it, yes? And of course, even if it has to be admitted grudgingly, it's working. <laughs> it's traveling later, for sure. I can usually see it anyway, but I mean, you're obviously traveling later. The story is, you may be persistently believing, I'm not a one to travel later, but that's getting eroded from underneath. Yeah. Yes? Yeah. And um, and and so then there's this other 
say in a way, as an experience here, that's part of the joy, because let's say if, if you've ever had a joy of realizing you're not a body yet, you've had the joy basically was predicated on you believing you are a body. So in a sense, the joy of freedom here is really based in a sense about a sense of that you were bound at one time, and it's part of the juicier experiences here, it's the felt when you start waking up and come out of that, there is a story that runs with it also that there was a, the binding and then the freedom from it. It's a pretty cool thing. But I see that all the time. Like when I was a kid, I thought it happened this one day after, in hindsight. I was running around naked with this, my neighbor around. And it was a little grass alley between my house and his house. We were like three and a half years old. Me and him, his family name was Nichols. So we were running, and it was like, I just remember just before this event occurred, it was that joy of trying to And then my mother, who was my goddess, you know, stuck her head out, and she said, Paul, get in here! And she had a very angry look on her face. And that's really, something started then, you know, like an introspection. I started to question about what I, would, what was do, what I was doing, and then this whole selfing started to really get, and more and more, I got more and more uncomfortable. When I went to school, first kindergarten, first grade, it was unbearable, you know. And then it got worse and worse until I found alcohol and drugs, and I got some relief. And yet, that sort of produced a whole lot of punishment, just, you know, from the state and stuff, <laughs> you know, whatever. And then the alcoholism got to express itself with this apparatus, and it did it. I mean, I was a perfect drug addict. I mean, if you look, you could have anyone who came here and they would talk about their spiritual devotion. I was more devoted to drugs on the highest level of any spiritual devotion. Seriously. I wasn't too good of a spiritual practitioner, but I was a total devotee of cocaine. Total. My whole life I surrendered to it. I dedicated it. I was thinking about it all the time. I was doing it as much as I could. And I was just running after it constantly. So... And I realize that has no ability. Nothing here can transcend you. Nothing that you do here can transcend you. This isn't about transcending you. It's realizing there's no reality of here to transcend anything. It's all subjectively given me. Yeah? So it's like a freedom. But like, I like it's like a backdoor type freedom. You, know, you don't expect it. It comes in the back door. Like Jesus says, it's like a thief in the night. You, know? you won't know what's happening. But it comes in and sneaks in. Yeah. Because that's true. 
because your head will still be narrating life as if it's you, and yet all the attention, instead of stopping at it, will be going right through it. And it takes it a while to notice itself as now not being opaque anymore. And the attention is just going through. <laughs> it takes a while. It doesn't dawn on it for a while, really. And then by then, when it, by the time it dawns on it, it's too late. It's, because the mirror seen been seen through. The opaqueness is realized. See, the opaqueness tends to believe that it's just happening here. But it's a, it's a false opaqueness. The mirror reflects both. Yeah. So as you're seeing things, you're seeing no thing. And no thing is what gives you freedom from things. That seeing no thing, yes, is what gives you freedom from your involvement and relationship to things. Doesn't mean it takes away all your involvement relationship, it just gives you more move. It's like wearing life like a loose garment. It's not so it's not doesn't become uniform and it's not so constricting, yes. You have to be able to take off whatever you're appearing as easy. Yes. Oh, yes, honey. Oh, you're good. I got the good. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll pass the basket, and I want to thank you.